Hello, 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 and welcome to Weather Wednesday. My name is Ashling, And my name is Gemma. And we are here with For the Love of Weather podcast, where we want you to leave this podcast just loving the weather that little bit more. But I'm very super excited today because we have somebody with us that Gemma knows really well. Gemma, take it away. I do. I um, I feel very privileged today to be able to introduce one of my bestest friends in the world, actually. We started our meteorology career together. We met at uni in our second year in soil science of all the lectures. <laughs> I had to go back and think about where we actually met. It was in soil science. I'm pretty sure we were... Um, digging holes in in the park mm. so that's what we did in Reading um, and then we went and did our masters together um, and then we've been friends ever since um, so I'd love to welcome Becky to the podcast today Yo. welcome Becky hello 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 oh my gosh was it really digging holes in the riverbank I, I had to go back and think when we like, really got to know each other and I'm pretty sure it was digging holes in the park in Reading I agree with the mutant swans. Yeah, those weird. Yeah, they. Yeah. What were you? What were you digging holes for? We had to go down and look at the profile of the soil. Mm. I remember doing oh. it like a distances apart, away from the river. Yeah. What was the? They, are they called the horizons? The different parts of the soil called horizon. I'm pretty sure they're called horizons. Maybe I've got that wrong. Your memory's way better than mine. I mean, I'm going to just pretend that that's true. And the next time somebody asks yeah, about it, I'll absolutely. be like, Horizons, of course, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, you're making me sound really cool right now because yeah. you're like, yeah, we met doing soil <laughs> science. We were digging holes in the park. Do you remember? And the only criteria was that we had to make it that there was no more holes. Yeah. And we were yeah. trying to push the grass back in. So there was no evidence of the holes that we'd been digging. We got, <laughs> we got it okayed by everyone. It was all fine. But we had to leave it as we'd found it. So we just pressing all the, the grass oh, back in doesn't it just feel like a lifetime ago though thinking about all those things it's, to be fair it is a lifetime, ago. It's and a lifetime like, ago and how important it was at the time to do those things as well they probably all like went towards grades and oh god all sorts of things and if it wasn't for then that that lecture and that experiment we might not have become really close friends and then gone and done our masters together and so lived what, together what, I mean, what you're saying is thank you soil science for yeah. Becky. Thank, Thank you, you. Science, for introducing me to Becky. Becky helped me get through my master's. She helped me in the six hours every night that I sat and learned A-level maths. She was oh. there across the hall. We would shout at each I other. A-level maths was a whole new level of trauma. <laughs> it was hard, but we had each other, Becky. We had each other. I, I'm not going to lie. I scraped. That's all you need it to do. Matter. It doesn't matter. No, yeah. no. You passed. No. You've got a career in meteorology. Marginally. <laughs> yes. Which when actually. Say you need maths and physics. Yes, yes, you do. But I can't promise that mine is particularly good. <laughs> and the bit that you need can immediately be forgotten afterwards. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very applied, yeah. applied person myself. And the best learning I did was on the job. And I'm Definitely. quite visual, like how I, how I imagine things. Uh, so realistically, when it comes down to it, the numbers don't actually matter. To me it's more the the fundamentals of physics yeah that's probably what yeah. most of us imagine not the actual numbers that that make it up but anyway becky take us back like where did you first think to yourself oh i'm going to look up at the sky or was it something that you saw on the telly was it a person presenting what what was it that like brought you to weather 
Good question. Um, I, I'm one of these people. Don't shoot me. Um, I can't say that I always had a love of weather. <gasps> Gasp! I, I, no, what? I don't. What? What? Um, Get her I, off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, no, so what I mean by that is that I can't say that I always set out to be in weather. I've always had weather around me, obviously. Um, and it is, when I think back to my childhood, um, it is fundamental to like my growing up. When I think about certain events, I can tell you what the weather was doing. So it was always there. Mm. But did I set out all the way through school to be in weather? No, I didn't. So what changed? When was it that you thought, actually, I mean, because you went and did a master's, so something changed. <laughs> yeah, what, at what point did it change? And you thought, actually, I want to do a career in this. I want to take it further. So like, I guess all the way through growing up, because I grew up in like a really rural part of Suffolk. So the weather there is we actually live in the highest village in Suffolk. Um, so the weather was always really cool. Um, when we had really bad snow, we had really bad snow. And the drifts were immense and you could walk underneath the drifts. I mean, I know I was a tiny person at the time, but <laughs> they were incredible. And they'd come off the fields and they made them almost like these waves of snow that you could then walk underneath and they were phenomenal. And we used to have storms that would knock our power out for days. Um, and the, the lightning was incredible. So there are so many things that I remember about the weather. And I was just always fascinated as a child about nature because I literally grew up on its doorstep and how it worked. So I guess through school and stuff, I really was always drawn to those things. My dad is a scientist. My mum is a geographer. It's kind of in there. Just life. Um, holidays were always walking in the lakes or the peaks or, you know what I mean? It was always mm. nature was at the is the foundation of everything we did and much to my brother's disgust (laughs) really what does what does he do um he is a manager in Wakefield he couldn't give two hoots about the weather unless unless deliveries going out in which case I become very important yeah (laughs) do you experience the same thing that we do though where people that know that you're in weather or have experience with weather um will say things like they said on the telly the weather was going to be and you're sort of thinking my parents do this all the time to me you could just ask me I probably have a pretty good idea it's like they know what you do but they sort of don't somehow I don't know yeah yes all those people that are like you always get it wrong oh that's my pet my my pet hey but you're you know how it is girls you're only as good as your last forecast if you did like a thousand good forecasts and one bad one, that one bad one, everyone will tell you that story about that one time that you've got it wrong. It's an unforgiving, unforgiving industry. It, it really is. Mm. It really is. A uh, lot of fun though. <laughs> so tell us, how did, where did you, so you've done your master's in meteorology. Then what happened after that? Where did you go after that? So if we backtrack a little bit, you said, where, where did I fall in love with weather? So I was really good at geography at school and I thought you know what this is going to give me a career path somewhere that will have lots of doors um it's not going to be something that's kind of very pigeonholed it's going to give me lots of different skills so I went and thought that's a really good idea and because I love nature the physical geography side of things was what I wanted so I did that so when I was at Reading with Gemma that's where I fell in love with weather Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was yes. it like the science of the weather as well, as in when you started to sort of like piece those puzzles together about 
why A and B are happening and I think so I think yeah. when I kind of dug down and understood more about everything and how everything is interlinked I think yeah. it's all kind of just pieced together it was weather and climate once I realized I had this love of weather and climate I always thought I would become a climate scientist if I'm honest oh. I thought that too I always thought yeah. you'd go and do that and um somehow I never did <laughs> there's still time that could be your third career yeah <laughs> yeah I think no. <laughs> um yes I agree I think I would always have gone into climate I'm not into like I'm one of these people that kind of just not meander through life because that sounds like I don't have a plan but I definitely have fallen into certain things along the way that have given me the most incredible incredible things in my life um, and weather is one of them so you know obviously I met Gemma we both moved to Birmingham we did our masters hers was very weather related and mine was very climate related um yeah. and like you say I thought I would go into climate but then the opportunity arose to apply for jobs and I applied for a job that was so far out of my reach or I thought it was that um it was never going to happen and do you know what was really lovely about it I didn't even have a suit at the time, so I wore Gemma's suit to the job interview. Oh, <laughs> like she lent me her suit so I could wear it, so I could go. Oh. Um, I went to the job interview thinking, no chance. And I remember going to the job interview and at one point having my head on my hands on the desk and just looking at the guy and laughing because I was like, there is zero chance this man is giving me a job. And uh, a week later, a letter arrived and I was like, you've got to be kidding. No <laughs> way! Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went and worked for um, a weather company, fairly well-known one. Yes, yeah, okay, so no, say who it is. Well, you can say it. Well, now, you can say it. Say who oh, it can is. I say who I yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I worked for the Met Office. So whilst I went and worked for the Met Office, Gemma worked for a rival company. Um, so we weren't allowed to talk about the weather. We weren't. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was a sense that everything we said to each other, we'd be like, okay, I can't tell you this. Let's just not, not talk about our jobs, not talk about the weather. We'll right. just talk about yeah. anything else. The thing is, I think when, you're, when you first start your career as well, and you know that there's this like tiny little pool of weather forecasting companies and, and you might be trying to get a position in it and you somehow feel this responsibility towards the company you're in to perhaps not disclose something accidentally. And it's only later on in your career, you're like, I am not going to make or break you know, you're all looking at the same stuff. You're all having the same fun conversations. You're all having the same hard conversations, you know, just for different people, for different things, for different reasons. It's Definitely. true. But then Becky would mention, she'd be like, oh, this this guy at work. And then I'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. I know this guy at work and they're friends. <laughs> and in, in the end, I'd, I went and stayed, with, I went to visit Becky and then I'd meet someone that was a friend of a friend that I worked with. And I was like, this world of meteorology is so yeah. small. It is like three Those degrees four. of freedom, three degrees, oh, maybe really even two is. degrees of freedom. It's tiny, absolutely tiny. It really is. But it's an amazing set of people. I know, I know. Aren't they the, they, um, yeah, they all love the way, if, if they're still working in weather, and even if they're not, um, I think everyone I know I've ever met just is literally in love with the weather in some way or some, some, some element of it. They just love, love what they do. Definitely. And, so how many years did you spend in the Met Office? Oh, um, good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I should probably know, shouldn't I? I? How long have you been forecasting, Jen? Over 10 years, isn't it? Uh, it's 14 years this year. Four, yeah. Four. So I had me a five years ago and um, I worked for Sky for a year before that. 
so that long. <laughs> My math that probably oh, so your math, math skills are coming out there. <laughs> so, so good. So good. So my Horizons I stopped, girls. Horizons. I stopped working for, I asked so many. Uh, I stopped working for them six years ago and I started working for them in two thousand and seven. Yeah, it would have been two thousand and seven, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's 13. I'm hoping one of you's gonna do that math. So, yeah, so like ten, twenty one. Basically, the guts of 10 years in the Met Office before Sky. Yeah, the best part then, of 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ten, but doing, like, um, all sorts of different things. Yeah. This, um, so I, I started off doing um, forecasting for aircraft. Um, mm-hmm. So for hot air balloon flights um, and for uh, flights coming in out, out of every airport in the country, which was amazing. Um, and then I moved on to roads, and oh, we love roads. <laughs> I did years and years of forecasting roads. Oh, this comes then, up in every conversation. I did it for I longer. Know. I did it for longer. To be fair, she did it for a lot longer than I did. I was like, get me out of this, please. Yeah, because we, we did roads during that really nasty winter spell of like 2010 ish, yeah. where yeah. it just was horrendous. <laughs> It was a hard yeah. year. That was hard. That was my first year on roads. Yeah, yeah. I'm on. Yeah. yeah. A, a very memorable year if you were a forecaster. In one way, it's actually, I feel lucky that I experienced it. I didn't know at the time I was experiencing something like that I would always reflect back on in my career and yeah. have learned about no. from. I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing year. And obviously that infamous satellite image of um the UK. And Ireland in covered snow, in snow. Yeah. Absolutely. Didn't realize how unique how unique it was. But yeah, no. road, roads have roads have touched us all, shall we say? <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I I promptly, as soon as had the opportunity arose, disappeared from roads and was like, this is not for me. Bringing <laughs> <Yes. laughs> poor fishing drivers at four in the morning, being like, I'm really sorry, the cloud has unexpectedly broke. broke. And the road is hate. Of zero, and uh, you now need to go out and grit. And I was like, please, please be kind. I know. <laughs> it was, I, I know. I know. It's and the worst. Like... I, I once phoned up someone who he was like, oh, I'm not on, on duty tonight. And I'm like, oh, no, I've just woke up this guy <laughs> at 3 30 in the morning. And he's like, just laying next to his wife asleep. Then I accidentally phoned him back by accident. I phoned him again. I woke <laughs> him up again and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really am sorry. And he was like, it's fine. I was like, oh, what was no. he doing? The road turned on. I, that's on him, Gemma. I'm sorry. That's on him. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. So I moved from roads into media, which um, I loved. Um, I have to say it was my the best part of my career in weather. I loved every second of it. Um, so I moved back to London um, and I worked behind the scenes at ITV and it was epic and I loved every second. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just phenomenal. I loved the whole aspect, even the days and nights, even working through the night to make sure the forecast was ready for when we went on air in the morning. I loved every minute of it. It was phenomenal. The live TV interviews, everything about it was so awesome. Then you went from into Sky. How did that happen? Ah, uh, well, my my job that I loved, uh, they decided that they could no longer keep the office in London. Oh. 
Mm. And so they said, could you move back to Exeter? And I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so essentially they said, well, if you don't want to move back to Exeter, you need to find another job. And I was like, I was heartbroken. I, was, I, I cried for so long because I was absolutely heartbroken because I couldn't believe that the job I loved was disappearing and I couldn't go with it. But then fortunately, the opportunity arose at Sky. So I, um, I applied, um, got the job and spent a year covering maternity there. And what was really nice about Sky is it was the only day shift. There were no night shifts. And I suddenly realised what it was like to feel human. I was very grateful to give up the night shifts. I mean, uh, having said that, I really, really loved them. And I loved being, you know, behind the scenes, the TV. I did, don't get me wrong. But you don't realise the toll it takes on you until you yeah. stop doing it. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm a whole new person. Yeah, also, I definitely um, echoing that sentiment. I, I gave up nights as well a few years ago. And I I just, I literally was like, oh, my God, there, there's me. Hello. It's so true. Yeah. So there's like the constant there. jet lag. Oh, stop. I don't know how Gemma's done it for so long. I really don't. And I, I, did you sleep at night uh, during the day? Were you able to sleep? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very good sleeper. I'll oh. sleep anywhere. You know. You any, had blackout blinds as well, though, so that helped. Yeah. yeah. All the tricks of the trade, girls. Uh-huh. That and chocolate orange on your porridge in the morning. <laughs> That's Gemma's one. That's Gemma's one. And I know I don't, I don't I don't eat porridge, but I will eat the chocolate orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like no, I'll just have the chocolate, thanks. Just <laughs> the chocolate orange for breakfast will do me fine, thanks. <laughs> I must say, when you started doing days, though, it didn't mean that we were able to meet up more because when you're doing shifts, two shift people, it's really hard to find yeah. days when you're both off. Yeah. Whereas I was yeah. like, well, you're off every evening, so it makes it easier then. Whereas, yeah, trying to meet up with other people that are doing shift work. Mm. Oh, and you, you might look at your roster and think, oh, that's a sleep day and that's a day off. But there's no guarantee as to how you'll actually be functioning as a human and how far you'll be able to actually take yourself, you know, on the sleep day. Uh, you know, I couldn't I mean, function on sleep. Yeah. I, I, I meet Becky on sleep days sometimes. You do. You're mad. But you used to meet me <laughs> as well occasionally and you'd be like, oh, if I have I a did, glass yeah. of wine, that will do me well. Whereas I'm like no wine for me on my sleep day I won't that's not not anything yeah not at all <laughs> so wine, wine on a non-sleep day all the, okay. all good so tell us Peggy what we actually really have you here to talk about we'll finally get around to this um is actually you're a florist I am yes like where, when, and how, and what? The, how do you you've turned this into a magical business? I have so many questions for you about it. I have so many questions since COVID as well. How you've how you've managed to do all of that? And how I have no idea about. You know, you just think when you buy a bunch of flowers and it's just sitting there in like your local co-op in this nice little package, but it's come from somewhere. Yes, but has. where did you? Where did your? Where did your interest? Where did you? You know, where did this interest come from? I'm going to tell you it's another happy accident because it is. Um, <laughs> you can see there's a theme. Um, so while I was working my shift work at um, behind the scenes at ITV, I um, I did lots of gardening in my time off, which probably for somebody in their mid twenties at the time was really uncool. Um, but it was like 
my savior it was sanity it was you know when you like maybe, maybe you don't but I, when I have my hands in the in the dirt and I'm just planting something and the reward of seeing it grow it was just a lovely escape from the hustle and bustle of London and the craziness that my body felt with shift work so I fell in love with growing stuff um, and flowers and I had no idea what to do with them so I just kind of kind of started plonking them in vases and hoping for the best and one year completely by accident I was bought um or somebody obviously saw something um I was bought a um introduction to floristry course at the local college I think somebody thought that I might like to know how to put these things in vases so whoever Um, that is knows you very well and obviously yeah absolutely knew me better than myself actually yeah um yeah so it was yeah, that and I, I went along. There were evening classes, so I had to agree that on these this one evening a week that I couldn't couldn't do my shifts those days. I had to have finished on a sleep day for that day for mm. a couple of weeks so that I could go and do these courses. Um, and they very kindly agreed, and we I went along. And I, after the first week, fell in love, hook like and hook line and sinker, and was like, wow, where has this been my entire life? Yeah, um, yeah it just it's magical yeah makes me feel so happy it really does it's it's incredible um and so this was a good number of years ago probably so I'm still working in the Met Office over six years ago now um and then I did lots more training with them on an ad hoc basis um and then when my daughter was born and I I would then do one day a week going into college like for a full day and get some proper training going on and this happened for a number of years and then when she was well, I don't know maybe two I decided you know what I'm gonna make a go of this this is this is where my passion lies and this is where I see myself going forward and I've created a business and did so when you when you went to that very first course like on that first day like you obviously must have come away on like a, a high of just like mm-hmm. oh wow this is amazing was there any like thoughts even at that point I should be doing this 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 no. resonates with me not not and not initially I mean obviously I, I knew I loved it mm. But I didn't really think of it as a career at that point. I thought of it as something I loved and like a hobby. Quite a lot of florists fall in love with it as a hobby and then turn it into a business. It's um, it's a very common way of getting into floristry. Well, I, um, I, you have to be quite the. You have there's so much you need to know. You'd have to be so passionate about it to be able to. Yeah. There's so many things that like you know, if you handed me a bunch of daffodils, I, was, I would have no idea when I should plant them. With like, I wouldn't. <laughs> I did I did a good couple well probably five or six years of training on an ad hoc basis and then realized that yeah well I realized actually pretty quickly in the first course that I just wanted to keep going I wanted to learn more Hmm. um I wanted to see how far I could go with it and then the tutors who were really really lovely were so encouraging and they started saying things like you do realize that you could actually really make a go of this and I was like really and they were like yeah no really um and it was amazing because up until that point I just thought it was a really lovely hobby that I had and then you know when they pointed out to me that you know I could actually make a, a, a living and a career out of the thing I loved then why wouldn't I so yeah that's where the business was born that's fascinating so like what, how, how do you even go about 
doing that, you know, so you, you make this decision, you have this moment where you're like, right, this is happening. But then how does X A happen? And then how does B happen? How does C happen? How do you, how do, you do that? Do you buy a premise? Do you, is there, tell us all about floristry. Like, is there, I don't know, warehouses? Like, what? how does it all work? So I initially started um, making Christmas wreaths and my friends and family, including Gemma, very sweetly came along to my very first workshops where I was like, <laughs> straight out of college, looked like a deer in headlights, thinking, I can do this, I can do this, I can absolutely do this. And actually, a lot of my training in meteorology and being, you know, with a camera and all of that kind of experience you gain from being thrust in front of the meteor a lot of the time gave me that confidence to be like, no, I can do this. So like, it's amazing. Or I can at least think- fake it and look like I'm doing it. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yes, we did our first Christmas wreath workshops and then very sweetly for the first time of six months to a year, my family members and friends, every time they needed a bouquet or um, had a birthday or anything that they wanted something for, they very kindly asked me to create for them. And it allowed me to build up my portfolio and while still going to college. And I was able, while I was at college, I did quite a lot of courses with wedding based things um, because I realized quite quickly that was the route I wanted to go down. So I kind of built up a picture portfolio and then I just started advertising for myself, putting it all out there and trying to see what happened. And very slowly, very organically, it just kind of grew. Because you're really good at it. And it, that isn't just me saying that because I'm your yeah. friend. Yeah. But you are you are honestly super, super talented. The stuff that yeah. you do is beautiful. And your reef classes, honestly, every time I bring someone, they bring someone else and then they bring someone else because you're so natural, you're so knowledgeable, and your love of the of the trade and the love of flowers and it just comes across in everything you do. Like I'll be asking you about a, um, a flower and you're like give me the latin word the latin name I'm just like how does she know all of this like it is absolutely amazing it really is in in so many ways it's no different to learning about how we got as advanced as we did with the weather you know you just you start at the bottom and you start learning and you keep learning and eventually you get to the point where people look at you and like wow <laughs> but you know what I mean like everybody yeah. starts somewhere and you just you just keep going and with floristry much like with the weather you can never stop learning yeah yeah, yeah. and if you do I've often thought if you stop learning in something it's time to move on absolutely yeah it means you've, definitely. you've you've lost that you've lost that kind of love love for it but tell me more about the logistics of it like so if I said to you okay um can you create something for me I've got a small event how do you go about sourcing all the flowers? Like, how would you know what to recommend for me? So that's come with experience, it has mm. to be said. So initially, um, so initially I would have used a, um, I have a wholesaler who's done the road for me. So flowers okay. come mainly through um, the Netherlands and they come into the country via them. And they are either through wholesalers um, which is like a kind of cash and carry for flowers, if that makes sense. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, 
Um, so there's a, the biggest one is in uh, New Covent Garden Market in the central London. Um, and it's phenomenal, honestly, the most amazing place. Obviously, with a small person, I wasn't able to go up to New Covent Garden Market because a flower market is only open really, really early in the morning. Mm. Um, so most people get there sort of three, four in the morning and are home again by seven, eight. Obviously, with a small person, that was never going to work for me. <laughs> so I used, I used um, the one around the corner, um, which worked really well for a while. But when I started getting bigger and bigger events, like weddings, um, because I only market myself as a wedding florist. I don't generally now do sort of ad hoc bouquets or anything like that. I just do weddings and Christmas wreath workshops. Um, and so I needed to find a supplier that would be able to cater for that. Um, and I found an online company who are basically a giant web shop. And it's amazing. So now they, I have this web shop that I log into and I can basically see straight into the, the growers fields. Wow. Wherever they are all over the world and oh, I can wow. decide how much of what I want. And it's incredible. So at the moment, for example, I could go in and I could decide how many tulips I wanted in what colour, what style, in what length of stem. Same with daffodils, the same with muscari, any spring flower you could get. And I could just go along and sort of go, I'd like this, 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 this and this, stick it in my basket. And then even better than that, they then overnight deliver it to my studio and the next morning they're there. That's actually <laughs> magical. <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating. And like not somebody has actually come up with this idea to go and they get the logistics involved in sticking all those cameras everywhere alone. That's oh, I mean it's not literally that you sit in a farmer's field, obviously. It's, it's yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's essentially like I'm trying to think what it, I mean it's a bit like the Amazon of flowers, I guess. Yeah. You type in so if you typed in on Amazon tulips obviously in a flower thing it would just come up with all the tubes I can purchase or the daffodils or all the yeah. you can go along and you can decide which ones specifically you want so how has all of that changed for you this year and Brexit as well gosh you've got Brexit too. <laughs> yeah we have um we are good question we are still working out what Brexit means right. um, if we're being totally honest um I think everybody's working out what Brexit means we've had uh delays obviously coming through so normally we use um the tunnel but there have been lots of issues with delays at the tunnel so for a while particularly pre-christmas they were coming over on ferries and obviously the difficulty with that is our product is perishable mm. so the minute it's cut essentially a clock starts ticking to the point where it is no longer good to sell so that time frame needs to be from the time frame from field to customer which obviously I'm like a conduit to get it from one to another that time frame has to be as small as possible so if it gets stuck if it gets delayed then the amount of time the customer then gets to enjoy the end product which is their flowers gets less and less and less so the idea is that we get that product from the field through the florist to the customer as quickly as possible mm. so that the customer gets their value for money and gets the most from their flowers. Hmm. I heard a really in interesting interview the other day with a Northern Irish garden centre owner. And he was talking about Brexit and something about the soil and and how complicated it has suddenly become to mm -hmm. do the exact same things that he was doing. And not everybody fully has the right forms. There's a whole other level of paper. It was fascinating, fascinating listening to him. It is. 
It really is because I used to order in plants all the time. So, you know, in many people's weddings and events, sometimes it makes a lot of sense to buy plants instead of having cut flowers, especially because if you use a plant, you can then give it onto one of your guests as say as a gift, for example. Mm. So it's a really nice yeah. way to use your mm. money to go further. But now plants coming in from the EU need so much paperwork and they are held up for so much longer that actually it has it the whole process is now taking a lot, lot longer. Mm. And so there has to be these considerations. It is infinitely more complicated than it was. Yeah. And COVID as well (laughs) how have you managed to or have you noticed a difference in that I've certainly sent way more flowers this year than I have of any year I can recall I think for the florists that have stayed open during uh, Covid they have in the main done incredibly well because like you say so many people have reached out and sent love with flowers which is the most amazing thing and using your local florist is the absolute best way to do that because I've had my daughter home with me for the vast majority of the last year I haven't been able to do that um because I have been a I have been her childcare and I have essentially been her teacher so I haven't been able to um so look for example this weekend is obviously valentine's um I am I've got no valentine's offerings because um it's not something that I feel able to do while looking after her because it is it is a full scale operation Valentine's is the biggest weekend of the year for florists Mm. so yes so from from my point of view my business has sort of quietly gone about its daily life behind the scenes but hasn't actually really operated for the last year Mm. I have been really really fortunate so I had my last full wedding was last February so it's nearly a year since I had my last full wedding and then I had five in the summer which were kind of small intimate uh, ceremonies which were absolutely beautiful Um, and that was amazing that some of my couples were able to get married and all of it Um, but yeah essentially I've just been here behind the scenes supporting my couples and helping them move dates Um, and some of them are now on date move three or four so yeah, for them it's been really, really traumatic. They've had an absolute emotional roller coaster. So I've just been here trying to help them through, really. Gosh, yeah. And you've also, but you've also been freelancing as well. You've actually oh, come back and done, yes, done some did. weather forecasting as well. I did, yeah. So I was really lucky. Um, Sky asked me back last October. Um, and so, which was amazing because our wedding season is generally kind of April through to October so it was during my quiet flower season anyway so I took on um, the maternity cover I was only doing one day a week but it was amazing and it gave me an outlet and some and some income which was phenomenal but then obviously when sort of January February came around and we realized that things were going to change markedly it became everything um, so I worked for Sky until full time until May, which was amazing because, as I, as you say, all of my weddings I should have had upwards of thirty weddings last year, and I had five. And so probably when, much smaller scale than you would have had. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So instead of the full scale weddings we should have had, we we're talking about 
bouquet and some buttonholes as opposed to generally the full decor which is normally what I offer um so yeah I worked for Sky until May and then I did um ad hoc shifts all through the summer and my last shift for them was in December so I'm hoping for some more this year but the difficulty is nobody is taking annual leave and as a freelancer and uh, rightly so nobody you know why would anybody take annual leave everybody's at home and as a freelancer we rely on people taking annual leave to be able to work so sadly there isn't a huge amount of work right now but I'm hoping soon yeah and I you know there um I mean it's been fascinating understanding how that would have changed for you but equally we are on a, a, a road out of it and I've no doubt in years to come actually I think people won't just have a party every party will be a hoolie because oh, yeah. I think you know we we ha- we will I mean I value such small small things myself so the idea of a party and getting dressed up just seems <laughs> just oh seems goodness. the wedding the weddings we have planned for whenever we're able to 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 do them will be beyond Huge, yeah absolutely enormous and I cannot wait <laughs> oh, yes, we just have to have the green light so in like a normal year, let's just imagine um, it's a normal year. What are you normally thinking this time of year? So you've got spring flowers. Yeah. So what, what, what's normally happening? So normally my wedding season, so generally sort of December, Christmas reads, January's really quiet. January's a month where I, I essentially do planning. Right. Um, I sit behind the scenes. I work out what each wedding requires. What do I need to get in? What do I need to hire? you know are they going to need a certain um upper like a certain thing that I don't have so at the moment there is a lot of love for these geometric stands which are essentially um like copper piping in a huge oblong rectangle type shape 3d shape and then we put flowers on the top of them really bad description but if you type it into Pinterest it will literally there is pages and pages and pages of it and so up until this weekend I didn't own those so I was planning on hiring them all from everybody and then miraculously I now own them which is brilliant but yeah so January is all about planning and making sure everything is ready Mm. um speaking to brides um and couples and working out whether uh, anything has changed from the initial consultation we've had if numbers are different um would you like an extra buttonhole would you like this would you like that it's all about cementing everything mm-hmm. and then weddings kind of kick off in february now so there's a sort of month-long lead time for a wedding mm-hmm. everything from about a month before the wedding it's sort of the flower ordering process getting everything ready making sure all the ribbons are ready all the glasses are clean all the vases are clean whatever is required so that a week before the flower ordering process actually happens and then they arrive depending on what flowers they are they would arrive probably five days before a wedding so if you imagine a rose for example it comes in uh, from Holland and it is as tight as anything and over that five-day period um, I have to nurture it to the point where it is picture perfect for their wedding day so more often than not I get things in a good couple of days in advance to make sure they're open and ready and and, and absolutely pristine and perfect for their day. And obviously all the arrangements need creating. So some, somewhere between five and three days before the wedding, all the flowers come in. And then that week before the wedding is, is basically full steam ahead to create the magic that somebody has asked for. Gosh. When, when people come to you and they ask you to plan their wedding flowers, do you think that 
they ever really think about what's in season because obviously there are certain flowers that they might ask for that are really hard to get because of the weather the the time of year so do you think people really think about that before they come to you or do they just say this is what I want and then you have to say well actually because of these this weather conditions this time of year it's really hard for us to get those flowers in it really varies so um my bride last February she was all about green. She was all about being eco-conscious. She wanted her flowers to reflect the environment outside in February. So we only had spring flowers. And even then they were quite forced because obviously if you look outside right now, apart from a few snowdrops, there isn't much out. So we had only spring flowers for her, majoritively British grown, which was amazing. But uh, on the flip side, some couples will come to you and say, they'll be getting married in August and they say but my love I absolutely dream of having peonies and I'll say oh I'm really sorry in the UK the peony season is only May and June so we can we can substitute it with say like a garden rose for example it's not a peony but it's as good a substitute as we can find but yes flowers have seasons and certain flowers are available at certain times of the year and if you're out of that Either they're grown in, on the other side of the world and super expensive and have a huge carbon footprint or they're just not available. So obviously the weather can have a massive impact on your business. I'm just interested to know what sort of impact it has. Because obviously at the moment we're having a very cold and snowy um, spell of weather, not just over the UK, but over Europe as well. And if your flowers are coming from places in Europe, how much of an impact does sort of very cold and snowy weather or in the summer if we have heat waves and stuff what sort of impact does that have on your business it has an impact on which flowers are available when so generally flowers are available for a certain time of the year and that can move around according to by a couple of weeks I mean not like literally move around um that can move around by a few weeks in sort of in either direction depending on the weather situation so if for example we have a very cold snowy slow start to the year then we'll find that some flowers are a good couple of weeks behind where we'd ordinarily expect them to be so for example I just mentioned peonies before um they're normally sort of May June but if everything's running two three weeks behind we might find that they're not available to sort of mid-May mid-June early July it just kind of shunts everything along a bit but if you if you look at it on the flip side, if you have a really mild winter and it's really wet and just a bit, I mean, unpleasant for us, great for plants, um, they will bloom that much earlier. So we might find that things come into flower two to three weeks earlier than we were expecting. So a bride may say, oh, I really want something. And we're like, oh, I'm really sorry because of the really mild wet winter we've had they're actually not available for your day because they're running two, three weeks earlier than we than they normally do. So it can have an impact. Generally, most things are still available. So say, for example, peonies. The May-June period is when they're at their peak and when they're at their peak in the UK. But we can still generally get them either side of that for about a month. But they are grown elsewhere and they are far more expensive. Um, so it just depends how much somebody desperately wants. <laughs> so if, if you if you you can actually find one it's just it the cost of it is just much more expensive Do, have, is that something that's come into your uh, or is that something that has changed within your 
business over the last number of years. Have you thought more about that, about where the flowers are grown? And um... Yeah, so I, I, it's something I've done a lot of work on in the last mm. year or so. I really would like to buy more British grown flowers, but I'm also very aware that they are only really available um, sort of from February through to sort of the end of October, November time, sort of, as you know, if you look in your garden, there isn't much blooming sort of through December and January, Mm. but there's a huge need for flowers at that time. So there is always going to be a need and want for imported flowers. And the imported flower industry is huge. It's worth billions. And I, I, at this point, I don't ever want to say no to a couple because they want something that is, has to be imported um so i've been looking at offsetting um the fact that they have to be imported it's still something i'm working towards but it's definitely something that's on my radar and something i want to work towards because i'm trying to make my business as green and eco-conscious as possible and i know that whilst i would love to just rely on british flowers i know that it's not a feasible business model at this moment in time in years to come it really might be but right now it, it isn't the growers are doing a phenomenal job and they're working super, super hard to try and make British flowers available all year round and in the quantities that we need them. And in time, I think it will work brilliantly. But right now, there is a reliance on imported flowers. So my hope for the next sort of year or so is to continue to import, but to offset that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you good. find that your um, weather forecasting skills and all the all the knowledge that you have, do you find that that comes in really handy in your current business that you've got now sometimes it really does (laughs) um sometimes no sometimes I think it can be a burden because if a couple knows they're the skills they have and they're really concerned about it raining on their weather day (laughs) on their day can you imagine the number of emails or the phone calls it's just like you know if anybody organizes a party and they're like Gemma Gemma is it gonna rain on my party Gemma Gemma can I have a barbecue Gemma can I put a nice car <laughs> do you know what I mean like so yeah. for somebody's wedding day the most important day for them yes they absolutely want to know and most people hate it if it rains on their wedding day but it's supposed to be really good luck um, and also really- gray skies are so beautiful in photos the colors of everything just pop you know I know blue uh, it's lovely for everybody but if you do actually have a cloudy sky they make the most gorgeous images everything everything just comes really to life. don't like sunny skies yeah I know yeah it's, it's, because it washes out all the pictures <laughs> and also, they have to work so hard at it. if you're planning a wedding in October or November the chances are fishery mm. in july it's gonna, it's gonna, well, yeah or august i mean any time of the year i mean we live in the uk where mm. it rains so you just have to prepare for the fact that it might rain it's not the end yeah. of the world if it rains of course it's not um statistically there are a couple of weeks in may and a couple of weeks in september statistically where it's you know generally yeah. drier i remember um, you say that to me do you use that information when you're talking to your couples? If they're saying, oh, we haven't booked our date yet, but we're thinking about getting married around this time. No. No, could you imagine if they help me Liability. They'll come back and find you. <laughs> but I guess there's, there's a few views on that, isn't it? There's the, you know, climatological statistical significance of that. And then there's the day-to-day weather. So even if it did rain in that day, it could yeah. still mean, though, that those two weeks were particularly dry. So, yeah. It's one of those things. No. 
the last time my weather forecasting became really useful for a wedding was um, obviously I do a lot of work outside for weddings. So it's useful for me to know how many how many items of clothing I need to wear, yeah, uh, yeah. how many thermals I need to wear, mm. uh, how much rain gear I need. <laughs> um, because more often than not, arches are put up in the pouring rain, just how it is. But my last wedding was in September and the forecast was dodgy it was dodgy all day and I don't mean dodgy as in the forecasting was bad I mean it was due to rain on and off all day and the poor bride wanted to get married outside and we created um this amazing autumnal arch for her to get married under and the night before there'd been a huge storm and when we arrived at the venue storm had actually blown the said that they had this this these doors these huge double doors that were kind of like the reveal of the bride and then she walked down the aisle um, they had these double doors and they'd been blown off by the wind and it was, oh wow. it was horrendous and so I was ringing the venue being like um the doors like so these gated doors that hide the bride and then they push the button and the music starts and the bride appears and it's just magical yeah they come off and they were halfway across the garden and I was like what on earth and I knew because I'd watched the bride practice the day before I knew that this reveal was so important to her so they then managed to get these gates back up but the garden was an absolute mess because there were leaves and twigs and goodness knows what everywhere. Um, but the weather forecast was awful. It was the showers would just come in and go in mm. all the time. And it was actually really useful in the end because I was able to sit down with the registrars and um, we looked at the weather forecast and we looked at the weather radar. And I said, well, there's a nice window kind of yes. here. If you can if you can hold off until this time, I think you'll have a nice window where you'll be able to at least get them married dry. Um, and it actually kind of worked out, which was brilliant. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, but then, but then the responsibility you feel that you're like, I'm pretty much assuring you that the weather will be dry at this point. And I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's nice like, to be able to comply and both your loves. Yeah. Oh both my gosh, yeah. Absolutely. And what a lovely thing as well for the bride, you know, it's... I mean, you know, that's so lovely. It's lovely for someone just to say, look, I think this is the best chance you're going to get. So whatever happens, this is still the, you know, the best chance that you're going to get. And and she got to get married dry. She did. And the, the, the loveliest thing about that couple was because it was a very small, intimate wedding. There was only, at the time we were allowed 30. So it's very small, very intimate. And their family was so welcoming. By the end of it, I felt like a guest. It was so lovely. They were so thoughtful. And it was just one of the loveliest weddings I've ever been part of because it was the, the amount of love and support that these 30 people showed for the couple was unbelievable it was so heartwarming oh. it was, it, yeah wonderful oh that's really nice it is it just yeah when people come together amazing things can happen absolutely yeah, because they, they'd had to postpone twice. So in adversity, they still managed to get married and have an, a magical day, despite the weather and despite everything else that was going on in the world. That's yeah. lovely to know that you were like a part of that and res- responsible yeah. for some of it. If you said to the registrar, hold, hold off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really yeah. big deal. Yeah, yeah I, I love being part of people's magical days. It is unbelievable. I feel so privileged and honoured to be part of something so special and for my flowers to be in their photos for years to come it's just honestly I don't really have words to describe how amazing it is oh I wish I could just like show everybody the smile that you have on your face it's just like this like face of just 
I can't even, it's the most loveliest smile. Your eyes are just completely alive with happiness. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> I'm a bit emotional looking at you. <laughs> I honestly oh. love, love my job. Love it. Yeah. I can definitely tell. I'm ching mentally, mentally <laughs> taking a photo of you. I'm going to take it with me for the next week. Like I'm going to remember this love. So can I ask you a couple of things from a personal point of view? I um I don't know what the opposite of green fingers is, but I'm not green fingered. Have you got let go back to basics? Let's say so somebody like me. So first of all, timing for me is is part of it. I actually massively appreciate nature. This current moment in my life, we don't have the time to to properly enjoy it. So what would how would you help me? What would you say to me to what would be your just start here advice? It's a good question. I mean, I. I'm not that green fingered. I like to think I am, but I, I can kill a houseplant. Um, <laughs> I'm fi- I find this very hard to believe just because I've oh, seen no. your pictures on Instagram. So <laughs> I find it very hard to believe. I mean, I haven't grown those flowers though, have I? Somebody no, else but you've kept them alive it. and you've had to do yes. all of that really tricky work of like bringing them to life. That's and your true. garden is lovely as well. You've got lovely flowers in your garden. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Um, I do love my garden, I have to say. Um, I am what you would probably call a lazy gardener or, or very astute, one of the two. Um, I like to plant flowers that will repeat flower and only need a big chop in the autumn and then we'll come back year after year without any hassle because I like my garden to look wonderful, but I don't really have the time to maintain it. So I plant things that I know will just kind of survive all by themselves like what what tips what should <laughs> like we be planting what? yeah so what do you say I, to like me I've never planted a flower before what, so what's, have, what's my go-to so my I have roses climbing up my fences um all I do is prune them back in the autumn and then they come back year after year after year and they produce the most exquisite roses without any hassle whatsoever Bold. I'd just like to point out actually you say just prune your roses so I'm just going to relay a story to you we have roses in our garden. When we moved in, there was roses there. They were clearly well established. My other half is actually loves the garden. And in, in another part of our life, he would be the one that would actually be in the garden all the time. So he had learned from YouTube how to cut um, back roses and at what point to cut them at. So it's not just a case of just pruning them. Like it was way too okay. complicated for yeah, me. Okay. No, you're right. You do have to it's find a really complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not it's not super complicated yeah you have to just find a little nodule on the side of the stem and cut it just above there and and the little nodule is where the new branch is going to grow from um so it's not super complicated once you know what you're doing okay so i i do admit okay yes it's perhaps you do need to have some level of knowledge bulbs are great though bulbs just come back generally year after year so i've got tulips and daffodils and snowdrops they just come back year after year without any hassle. Hyacinths, they do the same. They're really good. Any kind of green bush generally doesn't need much care or attention. We have, um, I, don't, I don't know the official name for it. I think it begins with a B, but we've got a butterfly plant. A buddleia. I thought it was something like that, but I didn't want to say it in case it was wrong. But that we literally, it takes over our garden. We cut it back and every year it comes back and it's beautiful. And obviously the butterflies come to it. But that's a really easy one to... It is. They do tend to take over. They are quite... They do. 
I actually recently bought an app called Picture This, which I've I've been snapping around my garden to figure out what's actually in it. Now, part of the reason I bought it is that my son ate a leaf and I didn't know if it was poisonous or not. Oh, (laughs) Oh, my God. I was so stressed. I was so stressed. And I, I had I was recalling in my head this story somebody had told me about their child eating something. I couldn't remember what it was and I couldn't remember who told me. It came to me later. It was wisteria. Yeah, don't need that. Yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. Was that? But anyway, so he, I just came into the house and he was like, "Yuck, mummy, yucky leaf," and I was like, "What's what's in your face?" Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness. Anyway, I didn't even. I don't even. Anyway, I didn't know what it was, but I, I WhatsApped a few friends and they told me about this this app. And actually, I was so surprised. Loads of my um friends like knew things about this. You know, there's quite a lot of knowledge in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, about plants I definitely didn't know anything anyway it's definitely sparked an interest so I've been snapping snapping around the garden trying to like mentally remember stuff and every time I go into the garden like today's one was um the wallflower oh yeah so I didn't know that's what it was called so anyway it's a, it's a, a lovely little app still not been able to look after it properly but yeah. <laughs> I've killed a couple of house plants I'm not I, but I'm they're trying hard to look to be after good. because you're if you've got your microclimate in the house yeah you know so you're I mean I've of... sent pictures of Becky to Becky of the saying it, it's my is this plant okay like what is going on mm. and actually the plant that I sent you a picture of it's still going strong it's still fine there you go another one did die yeah I mean I I I've, uh, I killed a monstera I'm not gonna lie I I I've had it a year and it developed a bug this is gonna sound really gross it developed a bug called scale and I noticed it was in my bedroom, the, the, not the, the bug, the plant. Um, and I was brushing my hair one day and I was like, huh, there's little, little things on my plant. I wonder what that is. Oh, my goodness, they're moving. What is that? Um, and then I realised that it was some sort of bug. So I looked it up and it was called scale. So I started treating the plant for this problem, but I just couldn't get rid of it. And so mm. Died and it makes me so sad because it was such a big, beautiful plant. So yeah, no, it sometimes it doesn't matter how green fingered you are. Sometimes some other external factor will come in and yeah, it's true. And you can always, especially with house plants, there's so many great websites out there which actually oh. tell you the best ones if you've got not a lot of light. If you just if you're a very beginner, they'll tell you these are the ones to do. Get mm. like water at this time. So I'm trying to stick with hardy house plants at the moment, and they're doing okay. But I've become, I've become obsessed with them. I'm like, okay, I make sure they're are they getting enough light, are they getting enough water, and I'm just like, Gemma, like, come on. But it's, it's so I good for it. you, though. It's it. good I really for you. Do. Like, it's yeah. so good for you to care for something, is and it's so and you get so much from from nature. Yeah, I think in the I last year there's a huge uptake in house plants. Mm. Yeah, it makes and such a difference. Yeah, and gardening, absolutely. Everybody, because everybody's been at home. Mm. they've wanted to make their spaces as beautiful and as lovely as possible it's given us all time to yeah to do that time to do that and I've seen like amazing stuff as well like not in so not everybody has a garden or you know but just tiny little um terraces or yeah um, window boxes yeah 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 amazing stuff for the very first time I'm trying to grow some of my own flowers for this coming year um I'm hoping they're going to get used, um, hopefully. Um, I've, I've got big hopes. Um, so this year I have grown tulips um, and fritillary. And, What's um, fritillary? They're a 
spring plant. They're absolutely unbelievable. They have on their petals the pattern of a snake skin, essentially. So they're called snakes have fritillary and they're like little bells that kind of dangle and they're so delicate and they're so pretty and they have the most unbelievable unbelievably beautiful markings on them they're like a burgundy brown color they're really pretty as we move into spring although you wouldn't know i mean spring's not too far away from the weather we've got at the moment but um as we move into spring what sort of flowers and trees should we all be looking out for so tree pollen (laughs) (laughs) um actually in my garden today while we went out and um so today's school project was make bird feeders. We made bird feeders. We put them out in the garden. While out in the garden, <laughs> under the snow, there are snowdrops. Um, and my first daffodil was uh, poking its head through the snow today. Like, what's going on? <laughs> with, the head, with, the head on with the head on it? Yeah, it's yellow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. There's loads of, loads of daffodils trying to um, grow. Well, they're not trying to grow. They are growing in our local park. So, yeah, you get sort of snowdrops January to kind of early March daffodils now time late february through to kind of april hellebores are out now um they're what we call winter roses they're really pretty um and then we kind of go forward with primroses and catkins on the trees then the magnolia buds are starting to come out i can see in the garden as the other side yeah, yeah. Um, so like everything just starts to get going um and it, it starts to be really really beautiful and then and then we get to sort of the big ones so like the cherry blossom and things. And what if somebody um, was to send you flowers, what would be, what would bring that joy to you? Which flower would that be? Now it could be any time of year. So what would be the flower that the person that loves you would send to you? I mean, I love receiving flowers because it's very rare that anybody sends a florist flower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Gemma. Gemma reminds me, always sends me flowers, which is amazing and wonderful. But yes, no, other people don't generally send florist flowers. Which is like, oh, what flower would I love? Mm. Oh, the list is endless, if I'm honest. Well, so, I'm, um, I'm going to put you under pressure. You've got to pick one. One, just one. Just one. So my my favourite, favourite flower is a butterfly ranuncular, which is, I can see by your blank faces, like oh, the dear. what now? Yeah. <laughs> I know what that is because I've followed your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a spring flower. It's part of the buttercup family um, and they're relatively new. Ranuncular, we've had a long for a long time. They're very oh, petal filled. Yes, I've just Googled butter- them. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Oh my goodness. I love them. And they only come in a handful of colours at the moment. I think in time we'll have more of them. Um, but they're a f- relatively new uh, flower on the market scene and they are absolutely exquisite. And what I love about them is their stems are not perfectly straight. They've got this amazing, unique bend to them. And it just gives bouquets and any kind of arrangement, just this huge naturalness about them. It's, uh, they're just so pretty. I love them. I love them. They're amazing. They sound it. I want one now just from that description. Unfortunately, they're not something I've ever been able to grow in the garden. Ranunculars are really tricky to grow. They come in, they have, they don't have sort of, they come in corms, which is not a word I even really knew what it was. So it's like somewhere between a seed and a tuber. It's like a strange look. It looks like a, like a crow's foot. It's a really ugly looking corm, bulby type thing. Um, And you have to soak it. And then you have to like care for it in such a special way. And eventually it may or may not decide to grow. So like a lot of people 
dream of growing them, but actually don't have much luck with them. So, um, yes, they're a tricky thing to grow. Butterfly ranuncula. Butterfly ranuncula. I will forever also, remember that really flower. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thankfully, Google suggested a spelling for me just there. Butterfly ranuncula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's your favorite flower um if i had to choose a flower it would be a sunflower would it yeah because it follows the light yeah and it sort of looks a little it sort of goes to sleep at night time and it comes back up again and follows you know follows the light and so as this and for various reasons um over the years i've just always had this association with a sunflower and um people I love um yeah and if I had to pick one it would it, it would be a sunflower I think they're yeah they're beautiful and they can just grow so they're just so outrageously ridiculous as well how they can grow they just look completely ridiculously disproportionate in a garden sometimes there might be like two of them that have shot up but there's just something so um attractive to me and that I want to go and look at it and and just stare at it and then obviously if you get them in a bouquet they're they're beautiful as well but that's the flower that I see and that's the flower that I always I don't know I just love the obnoxiousness of it in the garden yeah. love it I love it it's like so when the fields yeah. yeah and then when the fields are cut up into the fields are just full yeah. of sunflowers and and amazing. I and because I you know I know they follow the light um I always think of that when I see them. I think, you know, I must remember to always follow the light, you know. Yeah, it's a really lovely way of thinking about it. Yeah, they, 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 uh, they're very few flower that would stop, make me stop. Like there's always things in your life that would make you stop and pause for various reasons but some flower is one of those things that I would stop and pause and I I have a lot of memories, you know, that flood, flood through with them. That'd be my flower. Oh. Sunflowers, girls, please. Thank you. Sunflowers. <laughs> yeah. And Gemma, so what are you going for? <laughs> yeah, Gemma, what, what would you like? I I went through a stage when I loved gerbras. Yes, you did. But recently I've been leaning away from those a little bit. I really like poppies. Ah, mm. oh, yes, beautiful. Just when you get fields of poppies, I just that for, when when what you described there about sunflowers, that's for me. That's me with poppies. A field of poppies, so just stand there and watch them. Like, yeah, very think, emotive. Yeah, probably poppies, but I do love a peony. I love flowers actually. Like I've currently got a subscription, and we get fla- fresh flowers every month, oh, and it makes such a difference. Like mm. to have fresh flowers in your house. It brings me so much joy. Mm, yeah, definitely. I love it so much. I couldn't imagine not having fresh flowers in my house. I feel very mm. lucky that we're able to do that. So I actually have flowers in my sitting room at the moment. And actually my neighbor got me flowers um, recently as well, but I've replaced them with those. And these flowers were meant to go to my best friend for her birthday, but I sent them to myself apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like... My other half was like, actually, I think this flower is here for you. And I was like, what? And I don't know why, but immediately I was like, oh, I bet you they're my best friend's flowers for her birthday. I'd somehow like, you know, just um, sent them to myself. But my oh two my- nuns noticed that I had replaced the flowers and noticed that. And actually, they weren't in flower at the time when I put them into the water. And every day they point to the flowers and, and say, lovely flowers, lovely flowers, mommy. And so they noticed it too. And they noticed that it changed as well. And that really surprised me. 
Because tulips are really special flowers. They're one of the only flowers that continue to grow in the vase. So oh. if you, yeah, they're really awesome. So you might put tulips in a vase and then come back a couple of days later and think, what happened to my tulips? Um, and they'll be like really long and bendy. And it's because much the same, they grow in the vase, but they also look for the light. So more often than not, they make these incredible shapes with their stems growing longer and searching for the light. And some people really don't like it and they really want them to be stiff and rigid. And that's not how a tulip wants to be. It wants to just kind of bend and do its own thing. And I think they look amazing when they do that. They're really cool. Yeah, I did not know that. I did a photo shoot before Christmas. I was desperate to pick flowers that I could reuse and dry because I wanted the whole photo shoot to be as green as possible. So there was no plastic used, everything was reusable, recyclable, to, to the point where all of the moss went into my Christmas wreaths and all of the twine that I used to tie on the moss was also used in all of my Christmas wreaths. So it was like mm. as green as green as possible. So I then decided that why not use all of the flowers that were left to create um, a dried hanging installation in my kitchen. And it makes me so happy. Amazing. Beautiful. You'll have Every to time I come down, I think, wow. <laughs> it's beautiful. So, Becky, we like to end each episode with a quick fire round. There may be follow up questions. I mean, I can't uh, guarantee that Ash won't <laughs> ask you a follow up question oh, after yeah. I've asked you the initial <laughs> question. <laughs> so first question is favorite cloud oh good lenticular oh interesting why is that i knew that was coming <laughs> Just that's why that. i paused <laughs> Is it she's like she's paused a question is coming yeah because I love the way they're formed I think it's fascinating and I love how visually different they are and how unusual they are I just think they're fascinating I concur good choice yeah. they are good favorite season gosh that is a hard question um weather winter because I love the snow like love it um and flowers probably autumn mm. so okay. well, you know we don't normally always get snow though so do you why is it winter your favorite season is it just the hopefulness of the snow yeah mm. yeah it's growing up with snow and mm. the desperation for snow <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah actually we've had an absolute colossal amount of snow in Suffolk over the last week or so at the time yeah. of recording yeah yeah, um, but my parents haven't actually had that that much because they're oh. so, they're that bit much further inland that it hasn't actually kind of reached them as much as it ordinarily would. Yeah. Um, so we've actually had more here in Kent, um, and that has made me very happy. Um, and not not enough. I mean, lots of Kent have got a huge amount of snow, but we're obviously a long way inland, so um, we've probably got probably three to five centimeters, so enough to make a so good snowman. Still not bad. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had snowman, snowball fights, and sledging. I mean, I love winning. that that range that you've said. That is the forecaster range right there. <laughs> Three to five yeah. centimeters is about what we get out of these showers. Yeah. <laughs> Never leaves you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Chris or chocolate? Chocolate always. Jammy Dodgers or Jaffa cakes? Neither. <laughs> okay, <gasps> so enough. 
Can I have a chewy sweet, please? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Favourite chewy sweet, then? Favourite chewy sweet? Oh, Percy Pigs, always. Oh, my goodness. That's a so good shout. by the M&S counter and not pick them up is that. You can't. Thing. Oh, my God. So mm-hmm. hard, so hard. Um, fingers for toes or toes for fingers? Ooh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I guess fingers for toes? Neither sounds nice. <laughs> I just love yeah, that fingers, everyone... At least you can cover them with socks. Yeah, true. I love that everyone seems to know what that means. I like I, when Gemma asks. I know. I don't understand. I don't understand. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. I don't have Twitter. Finally, one thing you wish everyone knew about the weather. <laughs> How difficult it is to forecast and to stop mm. asking why it's always wrong. Here, 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 here. <laughs> because don't get me wrong like there were days when it's so straightforward and you think oh high pressure yeah and there are days where it's so complicated and you think oh my goodness me yeah how and you can just give a very broad this is the general picture but the details are just so few and far between and sketchy and I wish sometimes that the British public understood that and then kind of took that with them instead of being like your focus was wrong yeah i know yeah. but i tried yeah. my best <laughs> no and you, that's the thing you do and there are some days where no matter what you do you just know it's not going to be right somewhere like it's just not going to be right it's not going to be right it's Becky, true I've, I've actually got one more question so i've got yeah, one more go question that just come up just come to me just then it's really you don't have to answer it if it's too hard but weather forecasting or floristry oh floristry always Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would have guessed that after this podcast. So would I as well, but I thought I'd yeah. ask. I mean, no. don't get me wrong, I loved weather forecasting. Mm. I did. But floristry is my passion. It's mm. my love. It's my it's my true calling that I didn't but know I needed until I needed it. But say it's your calling. Definitely yeah. is. Before we head off, we've got time for this week's weather wisdom and we thought we'd look at the saying, rain before seven, fine by eleven. And is this saying actually true? Well, there are times when it will be raining with you at seven o'clock in the morning and by around eleven o'clock that morning, the rain has cleared through. And the reason for this is that four hours is often enough time for rain that's brought by weather fronts to clear through away from where you are. However, this isn't the case all the time. And we're all well aware of the times when it's raining with us at 7 o'clock in the morning and it's still raining with us by 7pm in the evening or even later than that. And the reason for this is that we've got a stationary front sat over the UK. The rain isn't moving and it doesn't clear away. So that saying is true sometimes, but it isn't true all of the time. Um, Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Becky. It's been an absolute joy having you with us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. I have just learned so much and I have <laughs> loved it as well. And it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And hopefully you'll join us again in a few months when the flowers have changed, nature has changed, and you'll be able to help us with what's going on in summer and also how your industry is changing as well. 
Brilliant. I would love that. Thank you so, so much for having me. Um, if you are loving the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the podcast and rate it. Five star. Yes, only five stars. Yeah, no, no. Always. Five you stars. can follow us on social media too. Our Instagram is for the love of weather and our Twitter is number four love weather. So that was a tricky one because you could only have 15 characters for that. Uh, but hopefully you will, you'll find us on there. And we have had a wonderful time this episode. Thank you so much, Becky. It really has been fantastic. But most of all, we hope that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.